That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a minute-by-minute rewatch of Batman v Superman. We have reached minute 70. I believe this is the final minute of the Nightmare. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's a big one. Not even a whole minute, but it will be part of the Nightmare. Yeah, well, it's... it's, I I think that the the entirety of this minute counts as the Nightmare section, because it's all very related, as we'll get into further on you might even say that the nightmare sequence both in and out is brought perfectly to a close once again dead on the minute yeah it's yeah the entire nightmare is i think it's five minutes and it's you know there's a little bit of like two three second bleed on each side but for the most part it is it is perfectly encapsulated in in five individual minute sections and it, i'm it's been a joy to kind of break it down and, and find out that uh, it can be divided up so cleanly and then have two perfect episodes with Richard Citrone in the middle there. It's been one of my favorite like sections of the movie to do. It's a fantastic finish that we end with a minute, which is split between two different scenes. But if this was all you saw of the nightmare, it would probably be enough. She was my world. And you took her from me. We ended minute 69 with, nice, with Superman removing the cowl from Bruce and holding it up empty and then scowling back at him. And we pick up here just as he says the, like, now famous lines, as every part of this is now famous, Superman says, she was my world and you took her from me. And then moves forward. Bruce lets out a blood-curdling scream as Superman has apparently torn inside his chest. Yeah, what a what a weird after he like heat visions just like slices in half all those other guys. That was a quick death. Like without even like consideration. It was just kind of like get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. The the way that he does this there it's it's so personal oh. and it's like he knows that it's not going to kill him right away. Mm-hmm. Like it's cruel. It's 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 really weird. Um I, I want to see you scream. Yeah. Yeah. It, if if there is probably like seven or eight seconds in which Henry Cavill is the most underrated, <laughs> I think it is this portion of the movie. And honestly, like I'll include myself in that because as we we constantly say, like watching this a minute at a time, you put infinitely more focus on each one of those seconds. And the way I've always kind of thought of it as like, yeah, Nightmare Superman, this is a bad, this is like a villainous version, a hypothetical, basically. And on some level, like, this is not our Superman. But watching it really closely, the the nuance with which Henry Cavill says, she was my world, and you took her from me. In watching it that closely, I realized, kind of like, it, tragically, oh man, this totally is the Superman that I know. Like, the, this feels like the guy that I have watched. Mm-hmm. It's not some pretend, you know, like, almost injustice level rage or corruption. It is, he's just so empty. 
Like, and yeah. he says it's so, it's so, um, it's not rage. We've well, seen it's, him. It's, it's like ma- almost matter of fact. I mean, there mm-hmm. is definitely an anger in his, in his voice. It There's is like very, bitterness. Yeah. It's very bitter. It, it's direct. It's like to the point. It's not, he, he's not a mustache. Like Superman as a villain yeah. is not a mustache twirling villain. He's just like a no nonsense force of destruction, basically. Just, just what he does when he, and I mean the the way that this scene is beautifully lit with with Henry's face. It's just the the scowl that is there that is like equal parts torture and anger. You know, I mean, it's just that when you focus in on it, it I was really impressed with it in a way that I hadn't seen before. Um, if for anyone out there, everyone has their favorite Superman. For me, this the way that he says this. Just cements in my mind, like, oh man, in my mind, this is how Superman speaks. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how Superman would sound saying this line. And we've kind of talked about how there's more of Clark and Superman in the movie already than we kind of had realized along the way. So it was just nice to have that moment of like, oh yeah, Superman, uh, not liking what he's doing, but like, I still love him. Have we talked much about why he's evil? I think this pretty much communicates it. Apparently, is. <laughs> Yeah, she was his world, and Batman took her from him. What we're, I guess, led to infer. I guess not to say led to believe because it's not inferred because he he does outright say that. But yeah. are we expected to believe that just he's just mad because like Batman made him mad, or or is there something? Because we know we know now from like external comments from Snyder that he is possessed by the anti life equation here, and I believe we've mentioned that in in previous minutes. But there's not really any direct indication unless you're going to infer oh well dark side is involved because we saw the omega um symbol on the ground and there's parademons so probably it's anti-life yeah but even trying to explain to someone what the anti-life equation is would be messy like at best right because it sounds like some kind of infection when in reality it's it would almost be like a a comic book or or like science fictiony fantasy way of saying uh utter hopelessness like he if yeah. someone said anti-life equation means like superman has been broken yeah i mean that functions like just as well exactly well and i think that this probably this is going to be something that we talk about way more in justice league by the minute in yeah. a couple years <laughs> so <laughs> so we don't need to say break it down here but i will say i always the thing from like reading final crisis and grant morrison i know that's a controversial book i love it but the thing that really kind of blew my mind there was the concept that the anti-life equation, literally it's the, it's a, it's a mathematical yeah. equation that exists like in the fabric of the universe <laughs> to, um, and it is the opposite of life. The opposite of life is not death. The opposite of life is the absence of free will, which I think really plays into Snyder's themes a lot here. Um, and if you look up like what, it traditionally is listed as it's what loneliness plus alienation plus fear plus despair plus self-worth uh, divided by mockery divided by condemnation divided by misunderstanding multiplied by guilt multiplied by shame multiplied by failure multiplied by judgment n equals y where y <laughs> equals hope and n equals folly love equals lies life equals death self equals dark side I don't know if there's if Morrison or anyone else has given like a clean here's what that is or if it's just supposed to be comic book gibberish. But if you just kind of look at it algebraically and briefly as I'm going to here, (laughs) 
he's expressed the, the the fact that he's expressing loss. He's saying she was my world and you took her from me. And so yeah. therefore there's a part of him that is missing. And so if the anti-life, if you look at it, like I said, like as an algebraic equation and you subtract the thing that is most important to him, that would make him susceptible to it. Whereas before he was complete and not susceptible to dark side, but now he is there, whatever that equation is and his life equation has been flipped which you know, like it, so it makes it negative, basically. Mm-hmm. If you if you're gonna speak about it mathematically, which I think is a kind of interesting way of looking at it, and maybe I don't know if you have any extra thoughts on that, but probably best to leave it at about that level of analysis. <laughs> well, yeah, I think like Morrison and Snyder have this in common, where the idea is almost more transcendent than any more specific way of breaking it down. Yeah. Like, I think maybe even for people hearing you say it out loud might be more, like, might be clearer than reading it. Yeah. Uh, Just because it is basically like a storm of words and feelings and, you know, what is the essence of life? What is left when you remove it? Or Mm -hmm. or what takes that away? We're obviously supposed to be analyzing these words because it's implied that both Batman and Superman know what they're talking about. And we don't. Yeah. Yeah. If we're asking, you know, what could have possibly made Superman become this, he spells it out really nicely when he says, she was my world and you took her from me. I guess at the time being, we're kind of left with the option of two people right now who have literally been kind of described as uh, like a safe place mm-hmm. for, for Clark. And we've we've had him, you know, who did he call when he needed uh, guidance? He called his mother. We know that he loves Lois. But we're kind of left wondering what the heck happened and... For about 10 seconds. <laughs> for about 10 seconds until... Um, before you skip past into the next very, very exciting moment, I always found this one aspect of this interesting, and it's that there seems to be an impl- the, um, much more of an implied relationship between Batman and, and Superman. They haven't even interacted yet in the movie, but we know that there's an animosity there. Because of the name of the movie and the marketing, we know they're going to fight. It's not like he just says, like, Batman's my enemy and I'm going to kill him. There's something, it's it's almost like they, I always thought it, it sort of implies that maybe they became allies um, in the interim and they had Well, why else would it be personal, right? Right, exactly. If it, if it, yeah, it's much more personal, whereas if it was just Batman and Superman are at odds and, the, and then I feel like he wouldn't have even been captured and strung up. Superman would have just said, kill him on sight and confirm yeah. to me, bring me his head is like, why, would, why would Superman feel obligated to explain why he was going to do what he was going to do? Yeah. Which, which is really interesting. And, and I hope yeah. to kind of see more about like what the nightmare timeline implied for that as it, um, as it develops. Yeah. Now that we know we're getting more of it. Uh, the question of whether this is some kind of dream sequence or weird imaginary like beyond the fourth wall of this narrative is answered in shocking fashion or is it (laughs) (laughs) well at first it is not at at first it is revealed that this is taking place in the events of the movie because bruce in the bat cave is suddenly jolted awake from this vision to find one of the most absurd things i've ever seen in a movie in a theater (laughs) (laughs) when the Flash in some kind of metallic armor is tearing through the fabric of space-time and shouting... Inside the Batcave. Inside the Batcave, directly in front of him. (laughs) 
I, I will never forget the feeling of in the theater looking over at my brother and seeing him looking back at me like, is this actually happening right now? <laughs> yeah. I think that like there's two things on the one level. It's just in, insane fan service for people who recognized, I, I guess for people who knew Ezra Miller was the Flash. So you make that connection immediately. I think that even if you didn't, if you didn't know that going into it and like, you know, trying to play subjective here watching the movie. This is clearly another super realm character right? who is saying, am I too soon? I mean, in like the parlance of science fiction, we get that this is a time traveler. Yeah. You know, saying from the future, I'm communicating this to you. This is the stuff you need to learn. Maybe, I don't know how much is gained by diving into this really, really deep. But I'll just say that like the lasting thing for me was I was so used to at the time and kind of afterwards. The Marvel style of shooting an arrow and then painting a bullseye around it, <laughs> you know, where like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we meant to do that. It was Spider-Man was the guy that Iron Man saved. We're like, well, you didn't know that at the time. Like, it, it's still fun. I don't begrudge them or anything. I don't want anything, anyone to think that I'm disparaging that because that, that's fun. And like, that's kind of a very comic book thing, too. But the way that people talked about the Marvel universe taking shape, which was these interconnected stories where you get details that you don't fully understand at the time. This might be the most explicit example of that, where this could only make sense after. And yeah. like both the best time travel stories and the best kind of comic booky shared universe, you, in the moment you're thinking, what is even happening right now? But some part of me is telling me I need to listen so carefully to what they're saying because I will understand at some point. So it would, it's kind of like this would be the most confusing moment for people, but it comes but, by that honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it asks you, or I, at least I thought it did, asked you to just accept that you don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it very much has a just remember this. Like you don't get it mm -hmm. yet, but you will, which I think you're. People are kind of used to the the Marvel style. I I try not to ever get into this on the the podcast because people I don't know. This is not about comparing and contrasting Marvel and DC. You're saying which one is better or which one is worse. No, but they they very much found a a way to make concepts like this resonate with big audiences, which usually means asking a little bit less of the audience in in the yeah, theater. Yeah, you have to. Well, you don't want and people to feel confused or lost. If you, if you explained it after the fact, then that person is like, oh, I get it. I'm okay, go on. Right, exactly. And so positive or negative, I think that the pe since people are used to that in their blockbusters, there was very much a, the whole nightmare scene and this thing was people said they didn't know what it meant, therefore it didn't belong. And then also it got a lot of like, oh, it should have been a post credit scene. When I think that we've talked, we've been all absorbed in the nightmare, but now that we've kind of broken out of the nightmare and something's happening here and we're realizing that this is something that Bruce is experiencing. Yeah, literally the character. Yes. Like that this character that we've been following up until this last five minute, you know, he was just at the museum with Diana talking about the sword of Alexander. Yep. And, you know, and he's looking, he's hunting for something. He's trying to track something down. He's he's harboring this rage against Superman. And now he's just experienced an apocalyptic vision that he doesn't understand, but mm -hmm. he does know that Superman was evil and had taken over the world as a, and it was a fascist sort of militaristic 
government of some kind. Yeah. Or oppressive force. Personally wanted him dead. Personally wanted him dead. It was very cruel about it. And keep yeah. in mind, they haven't met face to face at all. So, like that's the first face to face Bruce has had. Yeah. And he hasn't even met him face to face. And then he gets a warning from some kind of, <laughs> to him, like, like ghost Saint of Bruce Christmas in future. the Batcave. <laughs> right. Who knows who he is. Yeah. I think as Batman, he probably, he he's, I think, smart enough to know that he just had an experience and that he's not hallucinating. He's warned you were right about him. You've always been right about him. Fear him. To me, this is all very plot relevant. There's a lot of things here that it's like, mm, I don't quite get what that is yet. Let's put a pin in that for later. But also, wow, if I was afraid of Superman already, this didn't help. <laughs> mm-hmm. I should also say, like, I think at minute 70, it is unlikely that someone who was on the fence about this movie has reached minute 70. Yeah, it's like, oh, analysis. that's it. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think I will say, I think a lot of people who are probably, who would be like mild to moderately critical of this sequence... There's a very real possibility just in the the conversation that I've I've observed where people do not remember or do not connect that everything we just saw in the nightmare sequence Bruce saw. It's almost like that is treated as something that we the audience saw as a vision. Right. Like we just said if you take this that from this point on in the movie Batman knows Superman is going to turn evil. And knows that he's going to be killed because Batman is held personally responsible for allowing the woman in his life to be murdered. Then the idea of where Batman's turn later in the movie comes, that makes complete sense. Like, it's almost, um, it would be harder to convince me that he wouldn't think, oh my god, like I'm, I'm watching this moment suddenly become real in front of me. He's not stupid. He's planning three steps ahead. If every scene forward in this movie, he has the words in his head echoing, Lois Lane is the key. Superman saying, she was my world and you took her from me. Then what he absolutely, it's weird to think that Bruce wouldn't come out of this sequence with the voice in the back of his head saying, you make this happen. Yeah. Well, The Flash also literally says, am I too soon? Like, am I too soon? I'm too soon. Okay, well, then we know what is coming very quickly. It's it's so crazy to me that when I watched this and thought like, oh, yeah, Bruce has been watching this alongside us. On one hand, he doesn't understand this any more than we do. But if we come out of it saying, whoa, Batman is responsible for this happening. And it's because he allowed uh, uh, the woman who was most important to Superman to die. Bruce should be thinking that, too. Like, he should be coming out now on permanent red alert for... Superman is saying something like, hey, you're going to let this woman die. Right. Would be, would be, oh crap, this is even what the Flash meant by saying, you know, I was too soon. Yeah. It's very crazy. It's crazy to consider that. I hadn't actually thought. And I think a lot in casual conversation, people talk about Batman and Bruce's thinking throughout the rest of the movie as if he did not literally have this shown to him and we're seeing it through his eyes. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like I'll have a dream where like, I'll lose my wallet and I'll wake up and it's not. And I have this, I'm like anxious for like an hour until I like have my coffee. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. I didn't lose my wallet. I still, I still have my, I don't have to go get new cards. I got my cash still like, and, and like dreams will affect you that way. 
And so it's funny to say like, okay, so if, if, and I know that's a, I know like I've talked to people who are like, oh yeah, I'll have a dream that I have a closet full of new clothes. And then, <laughs> and then I, it not I until just try them on and it's great. Right. And it's like, not until the next day that I realize that like, oh no, I don't actually have those or, mm-hmm. or like I'll, I'll have dreams that I get in a fight with a, a friend or, or my wife or something. And then it's not until later on, I'm like, oh, I was, I was holding that. Like that was a burden on my heart until I realized that it was fictional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's just like with a normal dream. This is something a little bit different. <laughs> and so this yeah. is definitely something that is, is like on, uh, like it is a burden that, that Bruce has now that he has to figure out like, what was that? Why did it happen? How do I stop it? Now to, yeah. to keep from descending into time travel, I <laughs> will explain what I think this is. And then you can say like a correct or like mostly correct. Okay. Okay. My understanding is that this is the Barry Allen from that very nightmare future or one just like it, who is coming back to our Bruce, who would theoretically be in like at least the second version, right? Because the nightmare already happened. So, so depending on what you look at, he is coming back and saying to our Bruce in this timeline where this has not happened, you need to change it so this doesn't happen and me, Barry, never actually exists. If, I, if someone was going to say, is that his future Flash suit? I would say only if the world ended. <laughs> Ideally, right. if his message worked, none of that would happen because the nightmare wouldn't happen either. Yeah, I think that's that's very on point. You did touch on something that was interesting that I don't think we I think we hinted at it last minute, but something that I think a lot of people miss is because of that tra- time travel element, the timeline in the movie just split right here because someone came back from the past to interfere. And there's a version of this movie where the Flash never visited Bruce. It was Flash coming from the nightmare future to Bruce? Was that the speed force giving Bruce a vision of like right of rippling the, through? Yeah, right. Because he literally ripped a hole in the fabric of time mm-hmm. uh, right next to Bruce. So the the nightmare has to be some sort of a residual effect of that happening. Yeah, that's your so, Terminator shared memory overlap. Right, nonsense. exactly. So there's a version of this where Bruce doesn't have any of those experiences. He doesn't experience the evil Superman. He doesn't get a warning from the Flash. And we don't know how that version ends. Well, I mean, I guess we know that that version ends with the nightmare because that's what caused Barry to come back. Right. But we don't know how that we don't know the details of how it plays back because the rest of the movie is now timeline B. We don't know if it's going to play out exactly the same way. I don't know if that is, it's spoilers, but it might not be depending on if Zach reverts to his original script for. OK, like, so do you want to get we, it like, like I, if I, we <laughs> only say if we only say that. In the nebulous way that Zack Snyder speaks about any kind of film before he's actually made it, he alluded to a scene after Superman had died where things were potentially going wrong, where where Barry and Cyborg and all of them would say, okay, now is the time we can send Barry back to warn you, and Bruce would directly reference this scene by He'd, saying, yeah, if you can be... choose between two different times, choose the other one because the first one was quote-unquote too soon. Yeah, he'd say, which one were you going to choose? Don't In choose In which case that they one. are, like, it, then this would be a loop 
uh, more explicitly, but that is something that could absolutely change in the writing process. And what a or Batman the, thing, by the yeah, way. Like to I know. Be, <laughs> um, Calculate the other way, which, I mean, again, we said it's nebulous. Even Zach, when he was talking about like what this vision is, is it's the idea more than the exact details connecting just so. Right. And I know that we, before we went into the episode, we kind of agreed that like the here's what happened answer is really far less interesting than totally. sort of the discussion. And although I think I was surprised, at least maybe you were too, about how um, getting into it, there's really not a whole, like it's very much self-explanatory when you kind of break down who says what and, and what Lois happens. Lane. Yeah. <laughs> She's the key. <laughs> I'm too soon. Don't like, have her die <laughs> or Superman turns evil. Yeah. Am I too soon? I'm um, too soon in the runtime of this movie for you to understand what this is referencing, but trust it will make sense soon. Yeah. Um, find us, Bruce. <laughs> you have to find the Justice League <laughs> to prevent this. Well, we said that that's not interesting. I Do, do we want like a three sentence explanation of like, here's exactly what is happening here um, without going too deep into the time travel or, or anything crazy, potentially spoilery. Yeah. You, you give me yours and I'll, I'll tell you if it matches up with what I guess I kind of assumed. Yeah. Cause what you said was, was a pretty general, generally accurate, but what we know is that whatever happens. <laughs> so the Superman turns evil and causes the nightmare to happen. Future, and Bruce yeah. fo- uh, forms the justice league. Flash has a, I'm blanking on it now. The treadmill, cosmic the, treadmill. Co- the co- I was like, I say quantum treadmill, but quantum is that the Marvel word yep. and everything. Cosmic treadmill, and it is in the Batcave, literally right where he is. So yep. in this version of time travel, it's not from him running like back th- through time and space, but actually staying. Yeah, like ten- tunneling. Yeah, exactly, static on, and that's why he's standing still because he is running on the cosmic treadmill five years in the future at that exact same location. And the re- the way that it works is that because the way that Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder figured it out is that when you travel through time, you stay in the same relative space. So the science definitely, I mean, time, like <laughs> science doesn't exactly line up, but that's the idea is that Flash is literally in the Batcave on the cosmic treadmill in that exact same location at a point in the future, probably about five years because of when the nightmare happens, warning Bruce because yeah because lois is is killed also apparently in the bat cave under bruce's protection we don't know why by Darkseid. um and so that was rewritten after after bvs and so we don't know zach might be going back to that for zack snyder's justice league or he might mm-hmm. be doing something different and it'll be a surprise and that'll be fun to find out yeah this is an incredible, otherworldly, fantastical dream sequence. Find us, Bruce. You have to find us. Bruce wakes up again. Yes. In the last seconds of this minute, there's the telltale fluttering of papers in the background. CG papers <laughs> added in in posts suggesting that what just transpired was not all in his head. Or was it? Or was it? <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, like I said at the start of this, if you only had Superman saying, she was my world and you took her from me, killing Batman, and then Flash saying, it's Lois, Lois Lane is the key. I feel like you would you would walk away with, oh, okay, so everything goes horribly wrong because Batman lets Lois die? Yeah. 
my first viewing, I was like, you took her from me. Does that mean that she dies? Or was it implying that, that like, she had an affair with Bruce? That is amazing. I love that interpretation so much more. Which, Superman is a jealous boyfriend. <laughs> well, yeah, right? Or... And, um, and it doesn't, it only really makes sense if she dies, but there's, there's a whole question about like how and why Batman is responsible or Bruce is responsible for it, right? He takes the cowl off. So I think it's Bruce's fault, right? It felt like not a Batman thing. It felt like a Bruce thing. So like, why, why does this have, yeah, I don't know. So not that I'm necessarily pushing that theory, but I think that there's, there's a lot of interesting questions about why and how it's bruce's fault like was he supposed to protect her and he failed did he ask her to do something ask her to go somewhere she wasn't supposed to go i don't know and i I guess we have really nothing to go off of so that's just baseless speculation but it it is a fascinating question to me to wonder like why why did batman or like why did bruce take her from him like how is it his fault yeah and also there's two things here bruce experienced this vision of the future Mm -hmm. of his own death with Superman saying she was my world and you took her from me. It is very explicitly not named. He does not say Lois was my world and you took her from me, which could would have been just as easy. And then on the other hand, you have Barry separately without any context. We we're making the assumption that he's talking about the exact same thing. But he is saying to Bruce, not Lois Lane dies, Lois is the key. Bruce comes out of that scene. The nightmare sequence was started with the weird, uh, you know, world engine noise. So, mm-hmm. so he's dragging in his own stuff. Like where we've, I think that is explicitly tied to his development as a character. We talked about the, the loss of his eyes. He's become Batman. There is no more Bruce. And he is meeting Superman and saying that, his path there meant taking away Superman's world, betraying him in some way, perceived or not, whatever. And then separately, you have awake Bruce in the moment of the film, not reliving past trauma or anything, in the current story, being met with something now forward in the story, saying Lois Lane is the utmost important here. I'm anticipating both of those paying off really well on separate tracks, but they are because Bruce never mentions this scene. It's easy to forget that this is now going to be in his head. The one that is about his trauma is communicated to him in a quote unquote dream. And then the stuff that is about Superman and the path forward is him literally having his eyes blown wide open not in some fantasy, but explicitly in the Batcave, in the reality of this movie, talking about Superman and Lois. So he's kind of, we've seen a dichotomy with like who Bruce is and like how he's reasoning. And now we've gotten this weird extra layer where like, man, even like the subconscious of what's going to be motivating his actions is now split into these two horrifying things of like, here's what you need to do to preserve the future. And here is the thing that makes it go bad. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's really cool. Like it's a lot, obviously. Well, and it's, and it's a lot on top of the fact that Superman came to earth and was involved in the destruction of Metropolis. Yeah. Right. And, and so it stacks up against that. And so, especially if if you're going into that with the kind of rage and, and confirmation bias <laughs> that, that he has, he's like, yeah, I knew it. He's like, you were always right about him, fear him. 
um who is he is is him superman is him you know um i think i i'm still not entirely sure i mean maybe it's dark side but we don't there's there's so we've the only thing we know about dark side is if you know what the omega symbol is you saw it in the ground it's not like superman said i work for dark side as far as we know superman's running the whole show based on the nightmare i either of these scenes would would speak so much if they were not smashed next to each other mm-hmm. um i think if if at any point earlier in the movie you had bruce with his weird storm of trauma like making superman and the martha murder one in the same having having bruce be forced to see superman saying you took my world she was my world and you took her would would read you know we're going to need some dream therapy <laughs> analysis going on there because that would that should literally be like superman stole his world that's the whole point he, his adult world was stolen in the way that his world was stolen as a child and now it's him superman saying to him she was my world and you took her and it's like wh- bruce is like what wh- in what scenario would i ever be the thing right that i'm scarred by and then if you had the sequence with flash you know, separately would be like, oh my gosh, what are we even headed toward here? Bruce needs to protect Lois. He needs to stop seeing Superman as the victim. He needs to realize, oh, it's it's a whole lot. Fortunately, we're going to go from this incredibly complex and layered minute into one where both Bruce and Clark are like literally spoon fed (laughs) the next step of their path by the the real villain of this story. So yeah, what a I said this at the start, but this has been a really really fun um I don't remember how I was referring to it, but the how the movie is like breaking into these really clean pods of like chunks of minutes. And this one is a lot shorter than the other ones. The other ones have been about 50 about 20 minutes. Um and this one is just 5, but I I loved it. I mean, I always liked the nightmare scene sequence, but um I think what we've kind of learned from this and and kind of broken down and like you just said, everything that we need for the movie was was just provided in this minute right here. Bruce it was yeah. told everything we need to know going forward, and that's that's awesome. This is coming at the end of a lot of minutes where we were saying Lex Luthor is playing all of these people like puppets. And well, and this is something Lex are, Luthor can't control for. Exactly. These are two wild you know, curveballs thrown here. One is Bruce getting a vision of the future, and the other is The Flash, another superhero warping time to try to get Bruce a message. So yeah, that's an interesting thing to consider that we're going to go from that minute into like, no, 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 no. You know, like Lex, just like, no, no, follow the breadcrumbs, follow the breadcrumbs. Um, Find us, Bruce. You have to find us. Well, you can find us on Twitter at BVS by the minute. Wow. You can. Yeah. And in your uh, podcatcher app of choice. We are literally everywhere on Spotify and iTunes and just search, search our name. Yep. And we'll find you back right here for minute 71. (laughs) I felt gross to do, but I had to. Same bat time.